Imagine a world where Christ followers stepped up and answered his call on their lives. Imagine a world where Christ followers put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where Christ followers lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. The It's Not My Credit to Take podcast explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christ followers from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, and I'm a faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and an unapologetic follower of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Hello, Jeff. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Dr. Slover? I'm great. I'm great. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. My guest is Jeff Zink. Jeff is running for the United States Congress, representing Congressional District 3 for Arizona. He proudly and boldly stands as someone who deeply values the core principles that have shaped our nation, faith, family, and the fundamental freedoms guaranteed to all Americans. When elected, Jeff plans to tackle issues such as education, economic policy, long-term water solutions, equal rights, the surge of deaths linked to fentanyl, term limits for elected officials, securing the U.S.-Mexico border, and he's an avid supporter of our veterans. Prior to entering professional politics, he was a small business owner in addition to holding positions with the NCAA and Grand Canyon University and was a longtime member of the National Strength and Conditioning Association. He's also an ordained minister. Jeff's been married to his wife for 11 years, and they have two children and two grandchildren. Jeff, welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Ed, for having me on your show. Well, before I start with questions, I just want to let you know about a little bit about my background, that I just ended an eight-year career, air quotes, as an associate professor of management marketing at Grand Canyon University. So we were co-workers, even <laughs> though we never met. That's true. Uh, you know, uh, the great thing about it is, is that what I, uh, I actually taught in several classes, pre-med uh, for both nursing and, and uh, physicians that were in, entering into their field, uh, exercise physiology, kinesiology, exercise science uh, itself, more of a generalized, uh, and then theology. I was also a curriculum developer there. So I actually wrote curriculum for all five of those disciplines. And it's kind of interesting that a lot of the, the theology uh, doctors thought I had a doctorate in theology when we were writing the courses and stuff. And I, I said, no, I'm actually self-taught but I just have 50 years of, of uh, being in the Bible, uh, whereas most people don't. So it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed the academics, especially the D1 you know, university. You get really good uh, students and stuff, and so a lot of great conversations. I'm happy to hear that. I had a wonderful experience, too, and whenever I submitted my letter of resignation, there was nothing but but love and acceptance all around, so... That's great. Tell us a little bit more about your background and how you ended up where you are in your life currently. Oh, absolutely. So one of the things is, is that going into uh, sports medicine, which is exactly what I ended up doing, I was uh, a head athletic trainer at universities like Tuskegee uh, Institute, which is now Tuskegee University. I uh, uh, went in as an assistant athletic trainer in the NFL. I worked with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the uh, New Orleans Saints, and then Dallas Cowboys. And one of the things is, is that getting to be with these athletes, working with them, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But then it kind of transitioned into because uh, my parents got sick. My mother got uh, uh, sick at around 97. And so I moved back to Texas and, and moved in with them and, and literally was the primary care provider for my uh, mother, who then passed away at 2004. Then my father got sick and he then passed away in 2009. And so one of the things is, is that in that transition, I started uh, running so that I could uh, and own my own business, which was called mobile testing service, which was diagnostic uh, testing for 
workers comp. Uh, it was a uh, functional capacity evaluation that evaluated uh, people to return them to work. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, how long can you sit? How long can you stand? How much can you lift? Um, are you lifting it uh, properly? And so I would, uh, as a diagnostician, I was able to uh, uh, ascertain through that process exactly what their function levels were, what they were capable of doing, whether they went full-time work, part-time work, uh, or was still at staying at home. And, uh, you know, as anything, the insurance company uh, paid well at the beginning, but I was one of the very last ones that walked out the door uh, when they started paying, uh, you know, $100 for the entire four-hour test. So it was, it, it, it became pretty tough. But outside of that, I uh, then went and became a college professor at Grand Canyon University, what we just talked about, and a curriculum developer. I was an NCAA basketball official as well. Got to call a lot of uh, uh, really great basketball games, football games, baseball games uh, there. I was a, a three-sport uh, official. Uh, but basketball was kind of my first love and what I really liked doing. But, you know, one of the things that happened to me and what, and what actually changed my life was this. Four years ago, I was a, uh, a defensive back at Texas Tech University. And uh, what happened was, is that I actually took on a guy uh, that was about 6'9", 398 pounds. We hit helmet to helmet. And uh, I was left with a fractured neck uh, and migraine headaches and, and everything. Uh, over the next 40 years, I uh, had headaches every day, but I really didn't uh, allow that to slow me down or stop. I just, you know, worked through the pain and everything else. About 10 years ago, my wife had to take me uh, to the ER, which was really uh, unusual because I never go to the uh, doctor and never go to uh, you know any medical treatment or anything else. But uh, when I walked in, I had a blood pressure of 248 over 198. Um, wow. I should have uh, stroked out that day and died, but God had a plan for me. Over the next five years, I went through almost 70 different types of neurologist there at Burroughs and nobody could figure out why my migraine headaches were getting increasingly worse over time to where um, after five uh, five years I became 100% disabled. I literally uh, lived on a couch, in bed, paced the floor, uh, the pain I could never get away from and so for three years that was my life. On December 24th of 2020, uh, at three o'clock in the morning, something happened. Um, I prayed a different prayer. I said, God, I don't want to live this life any longer, but whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will do that and I'll be your faithful servant. Well, as you're in front of me, uh, Ed, so did Christ appear before me at that point. And he said, I'm going to break your headaches, I'm going to restore your health, and I'm going to send you to Congress to represent my people. Now, I can tell you that I had headaches every day for over 40 years, and I haven't had a headache since December 24th of 2020. I can tell you that I could barely walk across the living room floor without having to stop and catch my breath. And I've now knocked on over 26,000 uh, doors here in Congressional District 3, my health has been restored. The only thing left for me to do right now is on November uh, 2024 uh, to be elected into uh, the next congressional group. And then I will uh, fulfill this prophecy that was told to me on December 24th of 2020 and represent the people of God in the uh, in Congress, and so this is where you know why I took such a dramatic change from sports medicine, uh, taking care of people, to now being in politics uh, and having to uh, deal with the political you know realm. What's been your experience thus far, moving out of the sports medicine field into professional politics? I I can only imagine the that the contrast is one where you you are just you're dealing with actually genuinely helping people into a space where 
seemingly people are out for themselves to fulfill their own agenda. Is that a fair statement? I actually, it's very accurate. Uh, one of the things is is that I I make sure that people uh, understand that for me when they call me a white supremacist, uh, a racist, and all of that. Now I always tell them to take a look at my record. I was in sports medicine for over 35 years. I was never sued. Uh, and so the thing is, is that had I ever been prejudiced and, and refused to treat somebody based on their race or their sex or anything else, then I would have walked into a lawsuit. Um, I wouldn't have been able to have practiced, uh, you know, in, in my sports medicine capacity. So for that, I also, uh, uh, you know, refer back to being the head athletic trainer at Tuskegee Institute, now Tuskegee University. Um, I was the only white on an entire black staff uh, at football, basketball. Um, I, I, I trained and took care of a lot of these athletes uh, and everything. And what's, what's interesting is, is that uh, if I was a true racist, uh, you know, or something like that, Boy, I really can't, <laughs> I don't really show it in the way that the way the left is, has tried to portray me. Uh, the thing is, is that we do know that God's love uh, is sufficient for everything that we do. I also know this, they loved this world, loved God so much when, they, when he sent his son here that they put him on a cross. I can't expect any different treatment from people who do not believe. However, the great thing that, that's happened with me is the fact that my job is not necessarily to be uh, a congressman. My job is to be a pastor first. If I introduce somebody uh, to Jesus Christ, if I lay their, their uh, heart at the foot of the cross, and I teach them those fundal, uh, fundamental uh, things of, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe will have everlasting life. That is the core of what we need, that all have fallen short, that all have sinned, uh, and that he died once and for all for all of our sins by accepting him, not tithing not, uh, you know, you can't pay your way into heaven. You can't pray your way into heaven. You can't do, you know, you can't be baptized into heaven. Only thing you can do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior once that happens. And I, I always tell everybody that you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to be, you know, all of these, you know, things that they try to put on people. I just look at the thief on the cross to the left of Christ. When he said, you are the Christ, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, he didn't, he didn't go through doctrine. He didn't have the Bible, didn't know, didn't go to church, didn't do any of those things. He just believed on the cross right before he died, and Christ said that he will be in heaven. So what our country has done and one of the things that has happened, I actually was uh, speaking at a pastor's conference, and um, it was about 400, 500 uh, people that showed up. And literally, when I started talking, half of the, the uh, group got out, got up and walked out. And the reason why was, is that I made this statement. The reason why our country is in the position it is today is because the pastors have failed to do their job. They have not brought the congregation to the foot of the cross. They have not educated them to the uh, to the end times. What Revelation, uh, Isaiah, Daniel, Genesis, Exodus. I mean, all the minor prophets. I mean, if you go through uh, uh, exegetical understanding, and uh, we are literally living in the times that the Bible has laid out in Revelation. And so we sat down, and, and my job is to literally be that voice to, uh, to bring people to the foot of the cross and say, this is our problem. And if we train up our children in the way that they should go, Proverbs always tells us that, 
then they won't depart from it. Our pastors failed to train up God's children, and we are now in a in dire need of leadership, which is what Jesus Christ provides us. So those are the things that I'm going to be bringing and preaching on on the congressional floor on a regular basis. And every you know bill that we try to put together and, and work towards, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. So that's the kind of congressman and why I transitioned from sports medicine to where I'm at. This is this is the reason. Jeff, you referenced the upcoming election in November of 2024. What can we do as citizens? What can we do with communicating with our, our representatives to ensure that the 2024 election is on the up and up? Because it doesn't it doesn't take anyone to look too deeply. I mean, and to take an honest, critical look at the general election in 2020, at the 2022 election, particularly in Arizona, when the Acting Secretary of State refused to recuse herself in the gubernatorial race. It doesn't take a lot to see that there was election interference through mail-in ballots and drop boxes. And as Carrie Lake in Arizona has proven in court, the different size ballots. I mean, all sorts of arrows pointing to the 2020 and 2022 elections being corrupt. How, what can we do ahead of the 2024 election to ensure that that doesn't happen? Oh, absolutely. So every person who listens and sees this, what you need to do is, is you need to start getting active, okay? One of the things that God tells us is, is that faith without works is nothing. If we don't do uh, and, and work the will of God, nothing gets done. If you look around and say, Somebody else is going to do it. I, on a regular basis, have people come up to me and go, well, we're not like you. You're, you you've done all of these things. Well, how did I do one of those things? One day at a time, one step at a time. And all of a sudden, I look back and I've got two and a half years of fighting against the federal government. Uh, because Not because I chose to do that, but because our tyrannical government has forced me to be this way. So what they need to do is, is they need to get active. How do they get active? Um, in Arizona, it, uh, the grassroots is called uh, uh, precinct committeemen. So as a PC, a precinct committeeman, um, that is the first line and we have what is called legislative districts. And those legislative districts those, P, those uh, precinct committeemen operate inside their legislative district. They have meetings that they go to where they find out about the Republican Party, what is going on, and then door knocking. So one of the things that, I, that I'm going to have to have are these volunteers. They're going to knock on the doors, and they do several things. They get signatures to put me on the ballot. They also talk to other people about what's going on. They need to get comfortable about talking about their faith, about politics and what's going on. And, you know, uh, I had, uh, uh, you know, family members that will sit down and say, there's two things that, that uh, if you come for Christmas, we don't want to hear religion or politics. And I said, well, sorry, I represent both of them. So uh, if I'm going to come, we're going to be talking about both. You have to sit down and have very, very hard conversations, especially when people have uh, the Donald Trump uh, syndrome, because a lot of times uh, when I've got very radical uh, people that are interviewing me, uh, they will sit down and they will use all these generalities and, I, and I'll sit down and I'll say, well, okay, so where where was this? What are you? And I, I try to pin them down as to, well, you're just uh, this this person that's out there that's so radical. Okay, what's radical? Well, you're you just overall. Well, okay, well, overall, but be specific. I try to pin them down. The the people, if they're able to talk to their neighbors, talk to their family members, and and have them remember. 
Three years ago, gas prices were $1.89 average across the United States. What are they today? I, you know, I just filled up $61 uh, yesterday at $4.19. So this is something that that's a lot more expensive than uh, $1.89. The other is, is that we bought groceries. And for uh, $497 worth, I got half of what I got when, uh, back in uh, uh, or three and a half years ago. So the thing is, is that we need to sit down and start looking at what are the policies? Take the, the person out. Donald Trump is not my savior. Jesus Christ is my savior. It's the principles of being conservative. So one of the things that I, I tell everybody is, is that if you're like I did with the one uh, lady that was in front of me and she was complaining about the food prices and she was having to pay. And I said, well, how did you vote? And, and she goes, well, what does that have to do with it? And I said, well, it has everything to do with it. And she goes, well, I voted for Biden. And I said, then you voted for these prices right here. You don't get to complain. If you start confronting people in the very aspects of life of what they're doing, then that's exactly what we do as, as Christians. What are we supposed to do? If, uh, if somebody's in sin, you're supposed to go in private, correctly? Isn't that exactly what the Bible tells us? If they do not turn from their ways, then you're to take two or three people and uh, confront them. If they still don't turn from their ways, then you take them before the church and have the body of the church. Oh, wait, our church has not been trained to do this, so the church can't hold anybody accountable, so there's no accountability, and we wonder why our uh, country is going to hell in a handbasket is because our pastors have not done their job. And this is the reason why people started walking out of the pastor's conference is because they don't want to hear that their uh, lack of responsibility of educating the congregation is where we're, why we're at uh, the, the precipice of what we're doing right now. So these are some of the things that being active, talk to people, get involved. You can go to uh, on the internet and you can uh, say uh, grassroots or precinct committeeman and type in your state and it will bring up your legislative districts. Now, the great thing about it is in my congressional district, I have six LDs in there, legislative districts. So I have six legislative district chairs that also have all of these grassroots. So I have, uh, out of those six uh, LDs, I have probably four to 500 people that can be volunteers that will help on my campaign. Um, and so my congressional district is South Mountain, Levine, Avondale, uh, Southeast Glendale, um, all the way over to uh, above Sky Harbor. So if people are, are uh, understand the the Phoenix area, then they'll they'll kind of recognize, you know, that that part. And so it's also the number one thing that everybody will also remember. It's Maricopa County. So if everybody remembers, Maricopa County is one of the cor most corrupt counties in the country. It's where a lot of our uh, issues and problems that we've had and with election integrity. Now, I worked the Arizona audit both in 2020 and then 2022 uh, and, and, and looked at the evidence. I was a part of Kerry Lake's legal team. I was a part of Abe Hamaday's legal team. Um, I was also uh, uh, tried to help and, and did help with Tina Peters' uh, legal team. Uh, there in Colorado and, and what was taking place with her as well. One of the common threads, because um, I was very fortunate that Texas reached out to me and asked to help. And so Tarrant County also did a uh, an audit and we uh, stumbled across a guy named Hyder Garcia. Now, Hyder Garcia, if people don't know this, let me let me go through a very quick history of who Hyder Garcia is. 
So I always reference, do you remember when Venezuela was uh, was very thriving and a democracy and, and had a republic that they were, you know, voting system and everything else? And then all of a sudden it changed. Now a dictatorship is in there. Now we have a, uh, a, a dictator that has literally gutted uh, and socialized the entire country. Okay. Well, that dominion uh, tabulators was put on and overseen by Haider Garcia. Now, once Haider had done his job and now he had a, a dictator in place, he worked himself out of a job. So he left and went to the Philippines. Now, if everybody remembers about 10 years ago, uh, we had uh, the Philippines drug out the elected officials and beheaded them. He barely got off the, the island. But Dominion was also utilized in the Philippines, and they put in this tyrannical government, and then the, the people revolted uh, and stuff, and so he left. Well, where did he land? He landed in New Mexico. New Mexico once was a Republican uh, uh, stronghold. Well, today it's a Democratic stronghold. Well, guess what? They used ES&S and Smartmatic uh, software, which is a subsidiary of Dominion, and they flipped uh, New Mexico. Then he landed in uh, Tarrant County, Fort Worth, and in one election flipped a red uh, county to a blue county, and everybody's up in arms and everything else. Well, he since left, and where did he land? In the Biden administration over election integrity for the federal government. So now he's over all of the federal integrity or election integrity for federal government and stuff. Now his track record, everybody should be calling their senator and their uh, congressman at the federal level and saying, absolutely get this guy out. All right. The thing is, is that this man is going to be a, a problem for all of us. The other is, is that you need to talk to your uh, state senators and state House of Representatives, and you need to tell them that they need to vote out Dominion. Now, let me let me explain. Uh, uh, Dominion is the umbrella, but you also have these three subsidiaries, which is ESNS, ProVNV, and Smartmatic. And what's funny is, is that Texas turned around and said, well, we don't have Dominion. We have Smartmatic. Well, no, you have Dominion. So these are all subsidiaries. So one of the things that I advantage I had was is got, traveling all over the country and seeing the source code firsthand, understanding how they stole it. Uh, and, and it is. One of the things with Carrie Lakes was signature verification. Signature ver verification uh, was one where we proved in a court of law that over 190,000, actually 290,000 ballots were accepted in under three seconds. You cannot have the information load on a computer, recognize it, match it to the uh, to the examples that you have and then verify that signature. Um, I, I did uh, over 10,000 10, and I was one of the short ones uh, there. There's many that did hundreds of thousands, but I did over 10,000 personally. And I, I got very good at the very end and it was taking me an average of about 15 seconds to do each signature. So if they're doing it under three seconds, there's no way that they were doing it. And actually we caught on video and I kid you not, the guy was sitting here and he turns his head and he's looking and he's sitting here and he's hitting the accept button and he's looking away. You can tell he's not even looking at the screen. We presented that in the evidence and the judge said that we didn't have enough evidence okay the corruption at the and judges and and the attorneys are horrendously bad so these are things that people need to understand now with abe homiday's uh, uh case his was different 
and the fact that um, not only did uh, they have to do an audit, but they had 12 precincts and they only chose two <laughs> to look at. When they audited the two, they cut his 535 down to 280. Now think about that. You have 12 and they only audited two and they cut it in half. <laughs> Why don't we do the other 10? Let's see what's uh, what's there. More than likely, Abe Hamaday won his case. So at 280. So when we did his case and, and we took it to court, we said that um, there, there's an issue with disenfranchisement. So Ed did, so I'm going to explain to you how how the uh, uh, Katie Hobbs, who was the Secretary of State at the time, who didn't step down, uh, that was running for governor, self-serving there as well, that Service Arizona, which is where we go and we get our driver's license, we uh, renew that, we get our tags for our cars, and, and we just update. So what they did was, is that you had to uncheck when you went in and you registered your cars every year uh, and, and paid your tax, which again, I'm, it's illegal. Uh, that's not a tax that, you, that should be charged to people. But this is something that as, as you do that, if you don't uncheck this box, and let's say you have two addresses. So here in Phoenix, it gets a little warm in the summer, anywhere from about 130 to 140 degrees in the summer. It's just a little warm, but it's a dry heat. That's what we keep saying. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't want to hang around here. So they, they, they vacate, they leave. We have our snowbirds a lot of time from all over the country. We have retired, uh, retired people that will come in. And they will stay over the winter months. We're starting to see that flux of people coming in now. And so they will go through uh, the winter. Well, during the summer, if somebody has a cabin or a house in Payson, which is up in the mountains, which is a whole lot cooler during the summer months and everything, they'll go up there and they'll stay. Well, if they've got cars, ABTs, they've got motorcycles and they register them, if they didn't check that box off, when they registered that, it changed their voting status without their knowledge and without their permission. So now they move back to Phoenix because now it's it's getting close to what November when we vote, and they have always voted at this place. Well, it just so happened that what happened was we had over 9,000 people that were not able to vote that weren't aware that their status had changed. And so when we looked at it, that 9,000 was Republicans. You tell me, was it a targeted effort against the Republican Party to prevent them from voting and now has made it so close that it's 280? And so we went to, to court and the judge threw it out. So we've, we've taken both of those cases to the appellate court. We won in the appellate court. We got thrown back into the same judge, same court. And in Kerry's case, he drug his heels for a long time and then and then basically just said, well, no, there's just not enough evidence and everything. So now it's going to the Supreme Court. On Abe Homidays, it was kicked back. Not only did this guy not rule, but he retired. And then they had to go and get another judge and force him to sign the papers so that he could go to the appellate court. So we tried to prevent him and delay. They're doing everything they possibly can to string this out uh, in time. Now, people need to understand this. So what you do is, is by, by understanding now what's going on, you see how important it is to call your state senator, call your state uh, uh, representative, call your federal state senator and federal representative. These things, they need to hear from you as the constituents. You know, 
we just have, have been going through uh, the Speaker of the House here, and everybody knows about that and stuff, and they didn't vote for Jim Jordan. And there were 20, a list of 20 people that did not vote that were Republicans that didn't stand with the Republican Party. Do you know what their number one complaint is right now? Their phones are melting down because so many people are calling them and they're so tired of having all of these mountains of messages that says, you need to vote for Jim Jordan. You need to vote for Jim. I mean, all of these people and stuff. And, and they're, they hate the fact that the light has been shined on them. But here's the thing. Let your yeas be yeas. Let your nays be nays. But if you are silent, by omission, you agree with somebody else in their decision-making. So if, if you don't like the fact that, that abortion is in your city, in your state, and you don't say anything, when you stand before our Heavenly Father, he's going to hold you accountable for agreeing about abortion. But I don't. I, I, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't believe in that. Then what have you done to speak out on behalf of that child that is silent inside the womb? So I, I'm, I, I'm trying to make this as very as clear as possible by becoming a, a precinct committee. So to, to, to give you an idea, these are the hats that I wear here in Arizona. I'm a precinct committeeman. I'm a state committeeman. I am a precinct captain. And I'm running for Congress for the uh, United States uh, uh, federal government uh, there in Congressional District 3. And so working uh, with the audits in, in, in all these different states, with Texas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Colorado, and now finishing up with Oregon, I've, I can sh uh, share with everybody that all of the problems that I've just explained all exist in every one of the states that I just mentioned. That's the ones that we were allowed to do these audits. If we did an audit in Hawaii, we would see the same thing, or Alaska, or whatever state you pick. And uh, I've got people where I say, um, let me know uh, if you think that your state is not corrupt, and tell me, uh, and I will tell you which co uh, counties are corrupt and have flipped, and where there is problems inside of uh, what's going on in your state. And I and so these are one of the things that I do on a regular basis. Another one is uh, Seth Keschel. Very good. Go to his website. It actually shows all of the different uh, states and counties where corruption is uh, uh, there. Whether and that's in red. If it's yellow, it's very suspect, and all of, there's a lot of anomalies that are taking place. And then there's green uh, as well, which means that um, we didn't see anything, but that county is not that important. What people need to understand is, is that right now, if you go to 270, the number 270, T-O-2-WIN, so 272win.com, go to that website. It will pull up a map. It will show you which states are red, which states are blue, and everything else. And if you click on uh, all of those that you go, okay, well, Wisconsin's going to turn red. A lot of people don't know that, but they've done a great job in auditing and, and have been working and everything else. Michigan, I'm not sure yet, but we've got a lot of people that have been working there as well. Pennsylvania, sorry guys, y'all are going to be blue. Tar, you know, Maine's going to be blue. And, and as you're going through all these states, what it's going to come down to is two states. Our election in November 2024 is going to come down to two states, Arizona and Georgia. It actually is going to come down to two counties, Fulton County and Maricopa County. Two counties are going to determine what happens to our states, uh, uh, to the United States, and who gets into office. 
And the reason why I say that is, is that the way Maricopa County votes is the way that Arizona votes. See, 64% of the constituents live in Maricopa County. It's one of the most heaviest populated area, and it's my congressional district. A Republican has never sat in this seat. So when it was formed in 2000, it has never been formed uh, or never been uh, with a uh, Republican sitting in that seat. It's always been a, a Democrat. Raul Grijalva was the first one. Ed Pastor was the second one. And then um, Ruben Gallego, who's presently in that seat right now, who's moving on to uh, the Senate, and he's vacating this seat. So I'm actually the uh, have the name recognition uh, here. The other is, is that 68% of the constituents are Latino. We also know that 68% of the uh, Latinos are now running from the Re Democrat Party to the Republican Party. If 68% of the Latino uh, population vote Republican, I'm the next uh, congressman in this seat, and I will be the very first Republican ever to sit in this seat and stuff. So we also need to understand that uh, in, in my congressional district, in 2000, 12% of the population was below the poverty line. Today, that number is 72%. It, my, my area has, been, has just literally become so dilapidated that it is, uh, uh, in some areas, it looks like a war zone. And so we, we need to start clawing back and taking back America, taking back our state here in Arizona. And we need to take back Maricopa County away from the Democrats, because think about this. My two, house, uh, my two state House representatives are Democrat. My state senator is a Democrat. My federal senator is a Democrat. My congressional or my congressman is a Democrat. In all five positions, all are Democrats. And our county is so bad that you have to drive almost 40 minutes to outside of my area to get a really good paying job because there are no jobs here. They, they, the, all the manufacturing and everything else is, is so far away that people have to do that. Well, you're driving and gas prices are so high. So these are all of the things that people are, are doing. These are the table issues. And what I do is I knock on the door and, I, and what I've just presented to your listeners is exactly what my constituents are faced with and they complain about it. And then they ask me, what am I going to do? So one of the things is, is that we have to restore the uh, uh, and, and put basically things that come into our country. We have to put tariffs on those. We have to allow American uh, uh, society, our uh, manufacturing company to come back. And when we employ these people, what we have to do is, is we have to give them a, a, a level playing field. Right now, China, you can buy stuff on the internet, pennies on the dollar. You can't manufacture that in America. You can't, which is American made. It doesn't employ Americans. We're employing somebody there. Well, there's the Uyghurs in China, which is a group of political people that are imprisoned. And these prisoners are not paid. They are slaves. And so the reason why it's pennies on the dollars, because these slaves are now producing the, the very uh, merchandise that we purchase and bring over here to America. That's what we're having. We need to stop that. We need to, to not fund those types of things. We have things like uh, our borders where we can't close our borders because my constituents are, are uh, Latino. They have family in Nicaragua. They have family in, in Mexico or in Colombia. They want to go visit them and they need to come back. And if they have a closed border, they can't do that. But what we have to do is we have to secure it 
and make sure we have to actually do the fencing and close that off. Right now, the Biden administration here in Arizona alone, we have uh, fencing, but what they did was is they welded open all of the doors so that people can walk through. We have an estimated 40 million people that have walked through since Biden took office and has walked out in our borders into the United States. Human trafficking, sex trafficking is taking place. $40 billion business that the coyotes, the, the Mexican cartel here, uh, are, spent, uh, are, are getting because they're charging anywhere upwards from three, five, or, or 10,000 for a family to come in and they will bring them here to America. Uh, and once they get to the border, literally Biden's administration is releasing them into the country and they're, they're telling them, okay, well, we, we got you here. Now we expect your vote. And we've got many of the states because they're democratic states are now giving these people not only a driver's license, but a $5,000 a card that they can use to get themselves established. But for that, they're also telling them, now when it comes time to vote, you're going to vote Democrat. And so they're going to literally take over our country because of these people getting free things. And it, it's this slow destruction of our, of our country. And a lot of people are now starting to wake up to the fact and, and see that. So I know that's a long answer of what can I do, but, but they need to understand that these problems, if you say nothing, then you're saying that it's okay for these people to come across the country, that these children that are being raped, these women that are being raped, that you're okay with that, that uh, abortion is okay uh, and stuff, unless you sit down and say, no, this is not okay. This is not something that, that I agree with. And what are you going to do? And that is start giving a voice and start talking and getting active. This is what has to happen. Jeff, the level of corruption, the degree to which the targeting has taken place, on some level, whether we agree with it or not, is genius. How the infiltration has happened, how the 2,000 mules that were shown by Dinesh D'Souza's documentary for drop boxes to the introduction of a virus that ultimately allowed for more mail-in ballots, and that is a direct line to corruption. All of these things dramatically impacted one of the most consequential elections that I've had in my life, which was the 2020 general election. And you referenced so much of the corruption under the Biden administration. I happen to believe that November 3rd, 2020 was the insurrection. And January 6th was the cover-up for that insurrection. And many people refer to the January 6th event now as the Fedsurrection, because right. more and more evidence is coming out of federal uh, agency involvement. I've got one final question for you, because you and your son were at the January 6th event, and now your family is having to deal with an unintended consequence of having attended that. Can you share with the audience what that is and how your family's navigating that? Oh, absolutely. So on January the 6th, I went as a congressional candidate uh, to uh, Washington, D.C. My son was on my congressional staff as my social media director. He was taking pictures and video. We actually, uh, my son and I, got the tip of the spear. See, the very first person who ever breached the Capitol was a Black Lives Antifa Democrat. He jumped up on the ledge, his name is Hunter Emke, kicked in three windows, punched two more, then had his legs swept out from underneath him, put on the ground, and then was arrested. My son and I captured that video of from the time that he jumped on the ledge 
through his entire arrest. We were instrumental in making sure that this person was prosecuted. He, he received four months incarceration, three years probation, $2,921 restitution. I think that's perfectly fair for five panes of windows uh, and, and actually creating the uh, breach of the capital. Now, take what my son did, which was with me 100% of the time, um, did not fight with the Capitol Police, did not uh, have really any interaction other than, would you please take pictures and help us do what you've been doing, and which it all came out in his trial. And what ended up happening is, is that his so-called uh, peers, his uh, the jury, spent more time at lunch, hour and a half, than they did deliberating my son when it was turned back to them. Now, here's, here's what we know uh, today. My son on January the 8th was charged with entering into the Capitol, fighting with Capitol Police, and was directly responsible for Brian Sitnik's death. This is what got a no-knock warrant issued for my son that was served on February the 4th in Lubbock, Texas, where they tore the front end of my son's house out. They flashbanged him and his dog, took him out, and literally uh, paraded him uh, in front and has trashed his name the whole time. In the trial, for because uh, he didn't, uh, we kept trying to get uh, Ryan's pictures and video that they had on his uh, on his camera, and they wouldn't turn it over. They kept saying that they would, but nothing ever happened. So when we got to trial one week prior to it, they changed prosecutors, brought in two new uh, prosecutors. They also dropped the charge of entering into the Capitol. Now think about this. If he didn't enter into the Capitol, then he couldn't have fought with Capitol Police, then he couldn't have been responsible for Brian Sitnik's death. Oh, by the way, Brian Sitnik is the Capitol Police officer that died the next day of a brain aneurysm and uh, the uh, lie that was told by media that somebody hit him over the head with a fire extinguisher, Mike Brown, federal uh, agent Mike Brown, lied before a, uh, a uh, uh, grand jury about my son. All of this came out in his trial. We asked for a dismissal of the charges and, and, and to uh, go away. And the judge, Judge Jeb Boesberg, said, Ryan is guilty. We just need to have a trial. And we had uh, 15 other motions of mistrial and all of the things that this judge, it was a complete joke. They never proved that my son went inside the Capitol because there's no video, There's no, and he never did. I have never been charged. I was cleared by the FBI. They spent two, uh, about an hour and a half uh, interrogating me and cleared me of all charges and everything else. But the prosecution stated that they are now going to prosecute me because I made the statement on the witness stand that my son was with me 100% of the time. So in this 32 minutes of deliberation, they came back guilty on three counts, uh, which is the 1512C2, which everybody now knows what that is because we had a congressman pull a fire alarm, right? Same thing, interruption. Uh, and so my son is charged with aiding and abetting the um, interruption of a congressional Senate uh, hearing. That is a felony. He's also convicted of uh, being on and remaining on federal grounds and also, which is a misdemeanor, and then also crossing a known restricted barrier that was never marked. They, 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 they have this sign that they, they parade in front of all of the uh, jury members and everything else, but that sign was not where we were at. It never happened. We even proved that we stayed behind after other people had come in. And I was the first person to get into evidence that had been squashed 65 times, which is the bullhorn of a gentleman that was 
saying that they're talking with the Capitol Police and that they're going to take us to the steps of the Capitol. I was the first one. And what's really interesting is, is that when the judge allowed it, which surprised us, um, the uh, special agent, Mike Brown, who was in the room staring my son down the whole time, trying to intimidate him uh, and stuff, was very vividly upset that we were allowed to get that in. And now it's gone uh, gone into the record. We have a lot of other appeals that are now taking place that was based on that. But bottom line is, is that this judge repeatedly stated that my son was guilty of a crime. We just needed to have this trial or put on a defense or do what, you know, or uh, dismissing a, uh, a mistrial uh, notion for them not providing it. After the trial was over, the prosecutor smiled and looked at my son and his attorneys and said, well, good luck with uh, your appeal. We destroyed all of the evidence that was that we had, had obtained. So they destroyed all the pictures, all the video and everything else there claiming that my son was never part of my congressional staff because I never used any of those pictures in, in my campaign or anything else, but they had it in their possession the whole time and never turned it over. What we've now come to realize is this. We feel like that we took pictures of Black Lives and Antifa people changing into Trump gear. We also feel like that we captured the Ukrainian special forces that's now come out that we have uh, 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 captured those videos and that and those pictures of Ukraine special forces being on on ground. So they couldn't afford to allow Ryan's pictures and everything else to get out and stuff. So we we now have an appeal. We're we're uh, uh, we've got several affidavits that have are going to testify to what pictures that we saw there under penalty of perjury. All of these things. So so we're fighting. But the thing is, is that they convicted him. And then the prosecution also said, we're adding a domestic terrorist enhancement charge, which adds another 10 years. So the first felony of uh, aiding and abetting an interruption of a congressional Senate hearing, which is 20 years, and then the other two misdemeanors are six months each. So it's 21 years. When they add the domestic terrorist enhancement, that adds another 10 years. So my son is facing 31 years on December the 18th. When he walks into to DC, that's what he's faced with. So they could give him less, but that's not what's been happening. Uh, a lot of the Proud Boys and everything else, they've been sentenced to 33 years, another one 30 years, another one 28 years uh, and stuff. So my son uh, will probably get 31 years. And then the prosecution said, because I testified, they're going to come after me. They're going to arrest me, and I'm going to be tied up at, with this as well. Now, I'm a congressional candidate, but again, we can see that they've arrested uh, Donald Trump. They don't care. The other side is, is uh, uh, literally arresting the other side uh, and accused, falsely accusing them of stuff. And so these are things that I'm faced with, uh, you know, every day of, well, you know, tonight, are they going to bust my door down? Are they going to come and arrest me? You know, this is what I live with every day and stuff. And so one of the things that's also a, a huge tragedy is one of Ryan's friends who served in, uh, in uh, our military went to Afghanistan was shot, wounded, and brought back, received a Purple Heart. He testified on the character of my son. His reward for that, when he flew back to, to Lubbock, Texas, when he had a layover in Dallas, he was taken off of his plane and was strip searched, cavity searched as well. Here's a Purple Heart recipient and this is how this government is treating the people that are actually telling the truth. So your listeners need to understand something. They have my son. They're coming for me. 
because they're listening to me on this show, they're now in danger. This police state is really real and that they are coming after people that do not follow the ideology. Remember, you will own nothing and like it. And that's exactly what China uh, has done to their population. If this is how you want to live, by all means, let me know. I'll provide you with an uh, uh, airplane ticket one way. You have to leave your passport and everything else, and we'll send you to China. You can live that way. As far as I'm concerned, when I get into Congress, we're going to give back our freedoms from God, not from government. We're going to restore the, the voice of the people. We're going to restore what Christ did, the Great Commission, and we need to sit down and start taking a serious look at who are the people that uh, we are sending. People often ask me, well, you know, we've sent people before and they get flipped and turned. I didn't pick this fight. The government picked the fight. They arrested my son. They came after him. They've convicted him. I can assure you uh, uh, that I will never flip or turn. I will always represent uh, the people because God healed me and sent me on this path. I have a mission and I promise you, I will never go against God. And because of that, I will always represent the people. Jeff, I'm incredibly encouraged by everything that you said. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but looking at alternative media, I'm incredibly encouraged about what's going to happen November 2024. I, I don't think this is going to be a red wave. I think this is going to be a red tsunami. And someone like President Trump is, and this is just me hypothesizing, is going to get something in the neighborhood of 100 plus million votes. I think there, there's just, there's so much more awareness. People, more and more people are waking up every day. And it's with people like you, really just showing that courage to to step up and and step out in this is just it's inspiring to me so thank you very much for your work before we wrap would you mind praying us out oh absolutely so father i just come to you today praising your name thank you that you have given us this opportunity we need to understand that just like in Esther's time, everybody always quotes that you have been uh, created for such a time as this. But, you know, the prophet said something before that, which says that if you do nothing, God will take your life and your family and will raise another. For you have been created for such a time as this to represent my people. That has resonated in, uh, with me. That's, uh, and so for me going out and being able to speak to people, Father, put a fire in, in their heart. Put a, a light upon their path. Father, let them praise you. That's what we do. We praise you and we honor you. We are, are going to accept your will no matter what. But Father, our country is hurting. We need godly men and women to stand up. The ones that are listening here, the ones that uh, will hear this later. Father, the ones that uh, we need to sit down. And the thing is, is that I'm asking on your behalf, I'm being your voice right now. The people that are listening, become active. Do something. Because if you do nothing, nothing happens. Father, I just, I, I thank you for the country that you have given us. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. And Father, whatever uh, you have in plan, I will submit to your will. Father, I just think that uh, I bless uh, uh, Ed here and what he's doing. The fact that the word is getting out is so important. And his ministry here of reaching out to people is such a blessing. The only way that, that uh, people get to hear the truth is now through podcasts just like his. Father, bless him. Bring uh, people. If people don't understand, it's not free. So donate. Do those things that will help support and help him to keep 
the truth alive. Father, thank you for this this time. Thank you that uh, you uh, have allowed us uh, another day on this earth to represent you and to uh, to share the good news that Jesus Christ died once and for all for all of our sins. It's just a free gift, and that's it. Father, thank you for this time. State this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jeff, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. God bless. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.